I'll be reading from Luke 10, 25 through 37. And it says, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. In college, I had a professor that told me that great art should do three things. It should entertain, it should instruct, and it should move the audience. That is why when we read a book, we can get lost in it. Or watch a movie and watch time tick away so fastly as we are just so hooked on what's going to happen next with our characters in the movie I believe that when we read the word of God, that it can do the same thing to us. We can read it and we can be moved by the stories and it can even transform us. That is one of the reasons why I love the parables that Jesus tells. Because when Jesus would tell these parables, the people who would listen to him would be transformed and their lives would change forever. I also believe that in our current day and age, when we come and we read the parables, we don't see these as stories of transformation, but we see them as feel-good stories. And one of those stories is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Growing up in the church, I was always taught that the, the whole theme or the meaning of this parable is to do good to others and be a neighbor to them. We even see that in our society when we see news segments, when they have their Good Samaritan segments, and it's highlighting people who are doing good in their community. But where is the transformation in this parable of the Good Samaritan? And I think a lot of times when we look deep into the parable of the Good Samaritan, we interpret it from its conclusion that Jesus tells the expert in the law to go and do likewise instead of really focusing on the original question. When we see at the beginning of Luke 10, 25, we see that this expert in the law wanted to test Jesus. And he asked him the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And through that question and through that lens, we see the means 
for transformation. The expert didn't ask what I must do to be good or kind or be a wonderful neighbor, but he asked about eternal life. Jesus, addressing the man, asked him, well, how do you read the scriptures? How do you see it? And we see the man, the expert say, well, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, you answered correctly. Do that and you will live. And, at the, and really, we could see the end of the story right there. But we see the expert wanted to justify himself. He wanted to kind of prove to himself and to everybody and even to Jesus that he was a good person. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And it is through that question that Jesus gives the opportunity to not only humble the expert, but to transform anybody who hears this parable. Now, the thing about parables is when we read parables, it's easy for the audience to identify with what's happening in the story. In the parable, the Good Samaritan is a very simple story. A man walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he gets beaten up by some robbers beats him up, steals everything, and leaves him on the side of the road half dead. We see a priest comes by and walks onto the other side. A Levite comes by and again walks on by. So as the audience is listening to the story, as the expert in the law is listening to this story, who is the person that is going to help this man? Who is it going to be? Maybe it'll be an expert in law. Maybe it'll be a good, godly Israelite that will help the man on the side of the road. But just, but just like with any great story, there's a plot twist. And Jesus does not say an expert of the law or another Israelite, but he says a Samaritan. Now, what we understand about Samaritans through reading the Bible and even through different scholars, we know that Samaritans come from marriages between Jewish and Gentiles. Samaritans were considered the outcast of society, were looked down upon, and even had their own separate villages. We kind of see this when Jesus went to interact with the Samaritan woman and she would talk about how, well, we worship God on this mountain, but we're told that we can only worship God in the temple, the places that they were not allowed to go because they were deemed unclean. And yet we see in this parable that it's not the expert in the law. It's not another good Israelite that becomes the hero in this story, but it becomes the person that they despise. The Samaritan who has every right to not help this man is moved with compassion and takes care of this person and goes above and beyond to make sure that this person is taken care of. A lot of times in our society, as I've been seeing things for the last couple years, it breaks my heart that we see so many people 
who are left on the side of the road. People who are impoverished, people who are sick, people who for whatever reasons are served in injustice and are crying out for justice. This sadness that I experience turns to anger when I see brothers and sisters, followers of Christ, are leaving people on the side of the road and walking on by. And then my anger turns to shame when I realize that I am more often going to be in the role of the priest or the Levite that leaves people on the side of the road. If we really want to see God transform us to love our neighbors the way God has intended to bring them life, then we need to put ourselves in the role of the man who is left for dead and ask ourselves, who or what group would I expect to be the last person or people that I would want to help me? And whoever that individual or group is, would not only be the person or people you would have a strong prejudice towards, but also the one God would call you to be a neighbor to and show mercy. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my dad, and he happened to reveal a truth about a situation that happened when I was in sixth grade. When I just entered in youth group, instead of attending uh, youth on Wednesday nights at my church, we would drive to the city of Akron, Ohio, and we would attend a predominantly African-American church. And what I was told was that my dad was there being someone who knew about tax law and nonprofit organizations, that he was there to kind of help them get their finances in order to really grow this church and be financially stable. And that was true, but there was another part to that story. My dad was seeking counseling at the time, and he had a lot of deep-seated rootedness of racism towards African Americans in his life. And his counselor said, well, why don't you go to an African American church and talk with the pastor about some of the things that you're feeling So my dad would go there and he would begin to talk with the pastor there and and just be immersed into that community. And one of the things he was telling me is he said, you know, growing up as a kid, he would hang around his uncles and they would always say derogatory things towards African-Americans. And then as a preteen, he ended up getting jumped by a group of African-Americans and that trauma that he experienced just continued to leave those deep roots, left that rootedness in his life, which he started to become very racist and bitter. And when he started going to counseling and started going back to church, he felt this conviction from the Holy Spirit to break those ties, break those roots of racism in his life. And not only was he able to do that and talk with the pastor and be able to rip those roots out of his soul, out of his spirit, but he helped give me and my sister a different view of people who were different than us so we would not be ensnared by those same prejudices. And then I look at my son, Peter, who's a third grader here in Bexley, and 
when, he, when I go over and I pick him up from school and I see all his friends, it's so comforting to see that his friends don't look like him, that they come from a different cultural background, that they do have a different skin tone and how that was something so wonderful and that he treats them like they are his brothers and his sisters. I think back to the question that the expert of the law asked, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And depending on our understanding or our view or our theology of what eternal life is, we see that eternal life is mercy. It is God who gave us eternal life by being merciful, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to us so that we no longer have to bear the weight of our own sin and shame. We have to live a kingdom lifestyle where loving God is just as vital as loving those who are on the sides of the road in our society and those who we have a deep prejudice and hatred towards. The parable of the Good Samaritan is about <laughs> cultivating a culture that breathes life not only to those in the side of the, on the side of the road of society, but that it also breathes fresh life into us to break down our prejudices and hatred towards others. So who was a neighbor to the man on the side of the road? And I love that the expert of the law didn't say the Samaritan. He simply said, the one who showed mercy, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are just uh, so thankful for the parable of the Good Samaritan, a parable that is so easy we can interpret as a feel-good story about just being good to our neighbor. But when we really dig deep into the characters and the plot devices and everything that this um, parable brings to us, it is a catalyst for our own transformation. Lord, some of us here today may be holding on to some things in our lives. Maybe many of us may be holding on to prejudices against certain groups of people or certain individuals who have hurt us, who have wronged us, who have beaten, beaten us up and has left us on the side of the road. And Lord, we see that when we show mercy to others, not only are we able to give a glimpse of that kingdom life, that glimpse of that eternal life that you bring us through your son, Jesus Christ, to others, but that you continue to renew and restore us through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in all these things we pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.